Not too loud. Declan was sleeping through the whole thing. It's the life, right? It's amazing. Uh, So we're in this sermon series. Uh, We're in the third week of it called Abide. And this sermon series came out of our uh, prayer service. We had a New Year's, uh, New Year's Day where we just spent time going through these verses in John 15 and, and this idea of abiding and remaining in Jesus. So if you're new, that's where this sermon series started from. So each and every week, we are walking through this verse. We are talking about this verse and about life. So in a few moments, I'll read this verse again. To recap, last week, we talked about this idea of pruning. See, Jesus, throughout this verse, talks about remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. Don't worry about the fruit you're going to bear. Don't worry about doing all the stuff you need to do in life. Your only job as you follow me is to what? Remain. Abide. He's the vine. We're the branches. There's a warning in here that if if we don't do that, we're going to be like the dried up branch that falls off the vine and is no longer useful. Somebody will come along and pick it up and use it for firewood. So he's pleading with, remain in me, remain in me. And last week we talked about this idea of pruning and how we are pruned through life. Trials come. James says, consider it pure joy when a trial comes your way. Because through it, you are pruned. Trial comes. You you remain in Jesus. You develop perseverance. You, You continue to remain in Jesus as that trial happens. As you learn how to depend on Jesus through that trial. As that trial transforms you and shapes you. You continue to remain in Jesus. You develop perseverance. Then you become a more holy, more mature follower of Jesus. This morning we want to take that one step further. So I invite you. I'm going to read through John 15. I invite you to, to be thinking and praying and, and noticing what sticks out to me about these verses. What, what is odd to me? What is peculiar to me? What doesn't make sense? Or what really resonates with my heart, with my mind, and with my soul as these verses are read? John 15, Jesus is saying, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. I was thinking about these verses during that song, Lean Back. 
I, I don't know, but remaining in him seems a lot to me like leaning back into the arms of God. Like, like it's not this fury of doing things for God. It's not this, I got to do this, I got to be to church, I got to do this, I got to do this devotional, I got to read, I got to go out and do all these things for Jesus in the world. It, it's more of a, I'm going to lean back and just be. Like Jesus is saying, don't worry about all the fruit. It's not your job to grow it. It's not your job to trim your own self so that more fruit will be produced. Let that sink in in the light of New Year's resolutions and goals, if you don't like resolutions. Goals. How many are still holding to your New Year's goals? Come on. We got like three people raise their hands. We didn't even make it to Valentine's Day, y'all. <laughs> no, that's normal. Don't worry. Don't, don't guilt yourself. It's normal. We get all excited. We make all these things, and then two weeks later, we're like, ah, maybe next year. But it's not your job to produce. It's not even according to this, this scripture, your job to make yourself better as a follower of Jesus. What's your job? Remain. Lean back. <laughs> it sounds too good to be true, right? Like lean back in, in a God's love, lean back into God's grace, leave, lean back into God's mercy, lean back into God's correction, lean back into God's guidance. Like I love that. And I hope that it brings you this sense of joy, this sense of freedom, this sense of security. We follow a God that goes, hey, are you, are you tired? Are you hurting? Are you broken? Well, come to me. Come to me and follow me. Like, learn my rhythms of life. Learn how this life happens because my goal is for you to live life to the fullest. Not for you to be shackled down by all this religion and all these rules and all this stuff. All this guilt and shame. All this that we usually carry around. My goal is that you live light, you live free, you live a life that is attached to the vine. So if you have your Bibles with me, open up to Mark. I want to talk about something today. Uh, In the book of Mark, it's the shortest gospel, so if you haven't read through any of the gospels yet, Mark is a great one. Go ahead, just start reading it today. Uh, It shouldn't take you that long to read through it uh, if you read a little bit each day. But it's the story of uh, showing the life of Jesus. And Mark starts off uh, kind of with Jesus being baptized. And then Jesus goes right away into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, the evil one. And so if you don't know that whole encounter, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and, and kind of battles Satan. And Satan is sitting there uh, putting all these ideas in Jesus' head like, I know you're hungry, you're God, you could create your own food, go ahead. And Jesus is going, no, 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 uh, I, I don't live on the food, the bread of man, I, I live on God's food. I live on God, that's it. So, so it's this battle. And it's this moment where he's, he's kind of being forged as Jesus, like his identity is being forged. What happened when Jesus was baptized? He went into the water. He came up out of the water. What happened? 
sky open, Holy Spirit. God said, this is my son. I am well pleased with him. I believe this is a moment. Jesus is middle-aged. He's entering ministry. And this is the moment when his identity is forged. And he's reminded about who he is. This is my son. I'm well pleased. He then goes out into the the desert and fights Satan. The entire time Satan is attacking what? Jesus' identity. And then we get into Jesus' ministry. After Jesus fights Satan, he begins his ministry. In Mark chapter 1, he's calling his disciples. He's driving out evil spirits. He's teaching. He's healing all the people in the city. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed in the whole town. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Get this picture. Jesus, baptized. You're my son. Well pleased. Now go out and begin your ministry. He goes out. He starts the ministry. He's calling his disciples. He's going out. He's he's casting out demons. People are coming to him. The whole town is coming to this house because they have to see Jesus. They have to. The whole town of Eau Claire, what would that look like? What would that be like? What would that feel like? If the whole city was desperate for healing, desperate. And they heard about this guy named Jesus who was doing miracles, who was doing all sorts of things, healing people, giving people freedom, giving people this new life. There'd be the whole town is at the doorstep. Absolutely incredible. Like Jesus' ministry is off to a very good start, right? Like he's got momentum, he's got the following, he's got the word of mouth. There wasn't even social media today to be like, hey, meet up here, something crazy is going on in town. My, my, my nephew just got healed, come and see this guy. There wasn't even that. People were going out and streaming, screaming in the streets, come, come see, come see Jesus, come, come be a part of what is happening. Then, Jesus, after a very successful day of ministry, he's crushing all the goals. He's hitting all the benchmarks. He's got the whole city at his doorstep. Very early in the morning in 36, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went looking for him. 
And when they found him, they called out. Everyone's looking for you. Everyone. Now, I want you to answer this question um, real quick. What would your response be to your friends coming to find you and saying, everyone in the whole city is looking for you? What would your response be? Like, I imagine some of you would just, like, curl up into a ball, right? Like, every insecurity that you've ever had in your entire life just, like, literally crawl into the fetal position. Like, that is my worst nightmare. Everyone's looking for me. Others would be like, oh, man, everyone's looking for me? Like, I did a bunch of stuff yesterday, but that means I have to do even more today. Like, like my whole thing is I have to make people happy. And so everybody that comes to my doorstep, I have to make them happy and make them like me. Making them happy is only half the equation. I also have to get them to like me. And have you seen people lately? That's a difficult task. So you might feel this tremendous pressure, like everyone's looking for me. Oh no, I have to get my life together. I have to be perfect. I have to go out and meet all these needs. I have to see everybody that comes to the door. Because I have to get them to like me. Others of you might go, everyone's looking for me? Awesome. I've been waiting my entire life for this moment. Right? Like, this means that I am powerful, I am wanted, I am needed. I get to show up on the scene and wow people. This is awesome. Were you any of those things? What was Jesus' response? (laughs) Let's go somewhere else. (laughs) We're out of (laughs) here. I've done enough. It's time to move on. And continue on my mission. And I I want us to pay attention here because this is something that I think is crucial for us. We are living in an age of reactivity. You know what that means? We are hyper-reactive to everything in our world. And our world is busy. Our world is noisy. Our world is confusing. There is a lot going on in our world. And we are reacting to all of it. So I want you to pay attention If you read through the book of Mark, which I think you should do, at least read to like chapter 5. It's awesome. Read to chapter 5 and pay attention to how Jesus reacts to people. Hopefully you'll get my point in a few minutes. Jesus doesn't react to the news of like, dude, your ministry's rocking. Like you have the whole city. It's time to plant another church. It's time to put out a call for offering because you could get millions of dollars, Jesus, because of the work that is happening. It's time to go make this thing bigger, make this thing greater. He doesn't go, okay, now I have to go meet every single need because people need me, people want me. And this secretly is what I've been waiting for my whole life, but it kind of freaks me out. Or he doesn't respond with like, great, this is what I always imagined people coming to me. Can't wait to provide everything they've ever wanted and wished. He reacts by saying, it's time to go. It's time to leave. Why? Why does he respond that way? 
is Jesus is going through the, his ministry in the book of Mark. If you just keep reading, he heals a paralyzed man. He's teaching at this house. And the house is packed. The city is there. The religious leaders are there. Jesus is being questioned. What is your response and reaction when someone questions who you are? What your purpose is? What your identity is? What your authority is? I imagine half of us would get pretty defensive. And this thing would rise up in us. This anxiety, this thing would rise up where we either cower or we power up. Did Jesus do that? No. Instead, he healed a guy. We see Jesus being questioned by other leaders. We don't see him, like, react strongly. We don't see him power up. We don't see him cower back. We see him stand sturdy in his calling, in his purpose, in his authority. He continues, the crowds continue to follow him. He continues throughout the Gospels to to weave and dodge him, to get time away on the lake, to to get time away with his father. There's even a place where Jesus goes, I only do what the father calls me to do. Like imagine that level of remaining in Christ. Where your response is, I only move when my father tells me, I only say what my father says. It's incredible. But we see Jesus continuing on his ministry, and, and he is in this one point in chapter 4 where he's in the boat with his disciples, and they're trying to escape the crowd across the sea, and there's this big storm, this big, huge storm, where all the disciples think, this is it, this is the end, we're going to die. Jesus, wake up! Jesus gets up. What's up, guys? Oh, yeah, there's a storm. Knock it off, storm. Calm. Then Jesus crosses, goes to the beach. As soon as he gets off the beach, huge flood of people come. The the religious leader in the city says, my daughter's dying, please hurry up, Jesus, come quick. Jesus starts, this whole crowd of people is following him, and and they're excited because they're going to see a miracle. And this woman who's been bleeding, this shouldn't have ever been there, who's lived a long life of shame and guilt because of the social stigma around her situation, reaches out and touches Jesus' robe. Pay attention to how Jesus reacts. Because Jesus doesn't react. Hey, leave me alone. You're disrupting what I'm about to do. I'm going to go do this amazing miracle. Please, leave me alone. Go find someone else to bother. I'm about to do something important. I'm too busy. I got got to hurry. I got to go. There's too much to do. I have the whole mission of God thing to accomplish. I don't have time for this. No, like Jesus just stops and listens to the woman's story. And then heals her. Like, it's amazing to start reading through scripture and see how Jesus reacts and responds. And it's, it's a beautiful thing because we see that Jesus isn't reactive to things going on around him. 
And I think it's because he's remaining with his father. That's his source. That's his foundation. So ministry flows out of that. Jesus is more concerned about being than he is about doing. For Jesus, his doing flowed out of his being. Out of his identity. You're my boy. I'm well pleased. Go do ministry. Out of his time in the wilderness with his father, where I'm sure all sorts of things were sorted out with Jesus. You see Jesus throughout the scriptures, this strong, confident, firm foundation. People don't like him, doesn't seem to phase him. People want more of him, okay. Just be patient. Holy Spirit's gonna come. Cool things are gonna happen later. You'll see. He doesn't seem to be so reactive in life. And this is something just today I wanted to to bring up and focus because I think right now we are living in some of the most reactive times in our culture. There's so much noise. There's so many things to react to. How many, how many times a day do you look at your phone? Scott here is like once. Good job. Oh, once all day long. <laughs> There's so many things in our world that are so reactive. iPad, uh, phone, computer, TV, all these things that we react and respond to all day long. Where do we find time just to be? Even ministry-wise, there are so many things to do. You can listen to five different sermons once every day of the week through uh, podcasts and online. I listen to so many sermons. I I study the scriptures so much. I'm so holy. I'm so awesome. Is your doing for God outpaced your being with Jesus? Because I tell you what, you could do all the things for Jesus your whole life. And what does Jesus say about that? They did a lot of things for me, but I never knew them. They never remained in me. So all they're doing, fine, but it completely missed the point. Is your doing flowing out of your being and remaining in Jesus? I want to go through this list real quick. I'm way out of time this morning. Did not plan this well. But I want to go through this list real quick. Uh, Because uh, this is from uh, Pete Scazzaro. He wrote and kind of created the course that we go through as a church called Emotionally Healthy uh, Discipleship, Spirituality. And so this is a list that he came up with. Does your doing outpace your being as a follower of Jesus? 
Are you trying to produce more fruit or are you trying to remain on the vine of Jesus? That is what this list is getting to. So I want to read through this and I want you just to mentally or physically on a piece of paper check off something if it applies to you. You avoid silence. When you are quiet, your mind constantly races. Yep. You skip or skim on the Sabbath. That's setting one day aside to just be, remain with Jesus. Number three, you hurry a lot. I should have people raise their hands. That'd be even more fun. Number four, you position yourself so others think well of you. Five, you say yes when you would rather say no. Six, you're resentful and tired because you regularly try to do it all. Seven, you rarely taste your food as a gift from God. Eight, you have little mindfulness of delighting in Christ's love during the day. Number nine, you are often unaware when your body is full of tension, anxiety, and worry. Number 10, you have little or no awareness when you are having an overreaction. And 11, you, you check email and Facebook more than 15 times a day before you go to bed. He says, if you've checked three, you may be slightly out of balance. How many checked more than three? Come on, y'all, be honest. You ain't lying to nobody but yourself. If you check four to seven, you probably need more being with God to sustain your doing for God. And if you scored eight or more, you may need an extreme makeover and counseling. This is just to help us identify What does remaining in Jesus look like? And, and how can we focus on our being and not be all about our doing? I would argue that our doing is easier to focus on. And it's what all of us in this room probably struggle with. Our life is full of doing. I would guess the area of growth that we all have is to have our life be more about being with and in Christ. I would encourage you to, to, if you need this list, I can send it to you, but I would encourage you to take some time and just ask some serious questions because we're going to get in a little bit more practical next week. But what does this actually look like to remain? And am I doing it? This sounds really nice. Remain, uh, remain in me. Abide in me. That sounds great. But how do I actually do this throughout life? Next week, we're going to dive more into that. And we're going to end with a very powerful question in time of prayer. So will you pray with me? Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, I pray that as we continue to walk through these verses where you 
command us to remain in you. I pray that you just make us aware in our life on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, when we're more about doing than we are about being with you. Because Jesus, you call us to be with you and have the doing in our life be an outflow of who you call us to be, who you say we are, what you tell us to do in this world. Jesus, most of us can't even imagine a life like that with you. Pray, Jesus, you make us aware and you lead us and guide us as to what it means to remain in you. In your name we pray, amen.